Hello and welcome. This is Brett checking in from my editing bay, which is really just my office at my house. This week we had a lot of technical difficulties. We had some connection issues during the recording. I had my microphone die on me shortly before we started recording and I had to go to a backup mic, which really hindered my audio quality. So I did my best to really try to to give you that normal uh, uh, rich quality that you'll hear from both of us. And I, I did my best. It's it's not up to what I would like to normally give you, but we, we had such great conversation for this episode that uh, I didn't want to make us re-record. So I hope you guys are able to look past any shortcomings that you'll see on the technical end on this episode. And uh, as always, make sure you stick around past the closing music for some fun little bloopers. So here you go. Welcome back to Dad's Meat World, your weekly deep dive podcast into the classic show known as A Boy Meets World. I am one of your two dad hosts, Tyler. And I'm your other dad host, Brett. How are you doing, Tyler? <laughs> I'm doing pretty darn good. Uh, so I just sent Brett a picture of what I was doing before we started recording, uh, and that is I put up some, our blow-ups outside, finally. Um, <laughs> so unfortunately, uh, as we're recording this, we're a little bit in, more into December than what I want to admit to putting up Christmas lights. <laughs> but hey, I put them up. They look really cool, and I didn't realize this, but I bought today a 11-foot Grinch. Because <laughs> um, we used to have a Bumble uh, from Rudolph, mm-hmm. and it was awesome, and we loved it. But I thought, oh, yeah, like, it's around the same height. And <laughs> my wife went out there and looked. She goes, it is not. <laughs> it's not even close. And I looked at the box like, oh, this is 11 feet. Yeah, Bumble wasn't this big. <laughs> you have a very eclectic collection of inflatables out in your yard. Uh-huh. I got a Snoopy. That was the first one we got. Uh, I got a Baby Yoda. We got that one last year. I uh, got a Minion uh, the year in between. Uh, those two, and then this year we're getting a Grinch. So, and it's not just any Snoopy; it's Snoopy flying his house. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yeah, you aren't we... you aren't a full week into December yet as we record, and you're putting these up. So you're still. I mean, you're not really all that late. I mean, you're, right? You could well, be a whole lot later. <laughs> the snow decided to thaw once again, and so you know the ground is not that hard. So I was able to get the stakes in pretty easy. <laughs> I gotta say, I know what the weather was like in the early '90s, but judging by today's today's weather, no, seriously, hold on. Judging by today's weather, some of the stuff Corey and Sean are wearing, I get it. Pennsylvania's super weird now. Our weather makes no sense to me. Apparently, you can wear shorts right now and be just fine. Now I'm in uh, I'm in uh, Northeast Ohio. As we record, I'm not in Philadelphia area. It would take me, I don't know, six, seven hours easy to get out to Philly, depending on traffic, maybe more. I'm quite comfortable in shorts tonight as we record. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> so. How are you, Brett? I, I'm doing all right. Our Christmas lights have been up since uh, we went out, I think, the day after Thanksgiving, two days after Thanksgiving. And uh, we don't have inflatables in our yard. Uh, we're on a pretty main uh, road in our town. And we have had, we had a projector, a little projector up in our yard for Halloween a year or two back that was actually stolen out of our yard. So we have largely stuck to things on the house itself, though I do have a little projector this year. I, I need to build a little cage over top of it to keep it from being snagged this year. I just have not gotten to that. My time has been, excuse me, spent building other things like a set of shelves tonight so that my children will stop putting food on the floor in front of the shelves in the basement and uh -huh. instead Very of on nice. them. <laughs> so there's no longer an excuse as to why their food is on the floor instead of on the shelves. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, you just unlocked a quick before-the-show soapbox, so if you decide not to add this, I fully understand. But I, I got to say this real quick. I got to remind myself to put in, like, a, a bell ringing here for your soapbox. <laughs> so I'm a hunter. Mm -hmm. I like going out into the woods. I like uh, attempting to take down the mighty uh, buck that is the white tail. Mm-hmm. But Pennsylvania a few years ago changed the first day of rifle to the Saturday after Thanksgiving instead of the Monday, which when I was in college, that would have been kind of cool to be able to go out hunting, you know, have a quick weekend, blah, blah, blah. The problem is there is no time from Christmas or Christmas, Thanksgiving dinner to the first day now. And so what we used to have, which was a whole weekend to get ready for the first day, you know, go out, you know, if we had to build like a shanty, we could build it that weekend, you know, put it out the night before, go down, knock out whatever we need to do. We, you know, we had a few days. It feels like a sprint now to actually get out to the woods on Saturday morning, but then we also have a Sunday hunt as well. So then like, you know, if you don't get anything that first day, well, now you got to go back the next day. But if you have responsibilities at church, like I do now, um, you can't really stay out there very long. Um, so it's complicated. And what was a glorious day that was a Monday that, you know, you go out hunting and everybody was out hunting. Now you don't have that. And so it's just like I feel like we're behind because what used to be, okay, I'm done doing hunting prep. Let's get stuff out. Let's start decorating. You know, let's start moving the things around, you know, get my wife into position where if she wants to start decorating things, she can, you know, but we just haven't been able to do that because I spent all Saturday in the woods, so that time was gone. That's my soapbox. Pennsylvania, I want you to change your laws back. <laughs> also, quick so soapbox, how come we never had an episode where the guys went hunting? I feel like Alan would have been a hunter. Yeah, he probably would have been, but he did eventually purchase a sporting goods store. So maybe we'll get into some uh, some really good opportunities for that. But you know what Eric would say about about your hunting woes? I laugh at your problems. I laugh at your problems. <laughs> <laughs> We should probably officially get into this. You want to hit me with that synops synopsis, Brett? 
Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. This is The Fugitive. This is... <laughs> mailbox at Allen's grocery store with a cherry bomb. He stays in Corey's room to avoid going home. Corey tries to keep this secret as long as he can, but soon learns what it means to be a true friend and helps Sean to face what he did. This episode was written by Jer Jeffrey. I was going to say Jeremy. Jeffrey C. Sherman, directed by David Trainer, originally aired February 25th, 1994, and currently enjoys an IMDb rating of 8.1. Definitely one of the higher episodes rated on IMDb right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what I would call a classic Boy Meets World episode. So Definitely one of the cult classic, yes. I don't want to, I want to play my hand just yet, but you know, this may be a, a, a personal favorite of mine. But I'm not, <laughs> I, I can't get my grade away yet, but you know, just I'm <laughs> I'm not a curmudgeon. This episode is the way. <laughs> well, that's good because uh, my my oldest was listening to our uh, our what was it episode fourteen just mm. dropped over the weekend, and she she was commenting on just how uh, old old mean dad you sounded so <laughs> i was like oh gosh i sound just angry like you're forcing me to do this against my will <laughs> all right so we we start with Corey attempting to get outside and dad's coming home and he's like uh excuse me there's a storm going on out there. And so we, we you know, growing up in Pennsylvania, Ohio, we get, we have these days where just storm comes in. It's lasting all day oh, yeah. long. It's never ending. And you're just kind of stuck. Those are just, just the worst a couple days. days um, yeah. So did we. Oh, and we were decorating at the church. And I was a big curmudgeon just going into every room like, bah, bah, humbug. <laughs> uh, but anywho, um, so as we, as Corey is disappointed, he can't go anywhere. Dad won't let him. Uh, yes, he goes yes. up to his room. Yeah, because he goes up to his room. As Morgan says. Somebody needs a nap. <laughs> he probably does. Uh, he goes up to his room just complaining about the fact that his life is boring and nothing good ever happens to him. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I did clip as he's walking up. Uh, would you like to hear? Of course I would. My life bites. Boring. Predictable. Never a surprise. Don't turn on the lights. Sean? Cops are after me. Maybe even the FBI. You're not involved. Unless you want to be. I'm in! <laughs> Sounds like Sean's in trouble again. Yeah. He, he is. <laughs> again, this is classic episode. And I love in the future, we'll get a reference to Sean walking in and saying, Oh, I blew up another mailbox. <laughs> um, so it's so famous that the show references itself. It's quite meta. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So Sean apparently has done something really bad and wants to know if Corey is in with him. And Corey, being Corey, is in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> of course. We get to my, my favorite uh, intro. And then uh, we're back in the boys' room. 
and they're chatting. I'm not. Do you have any of this clipped or? I do. Uh, I, I actually have Sean's explanation of the whole event. Okay. Why don't you just go ahead and start from there then? All right. You remember that cherry bomb? Oh no! Feeny found it. You're suspended. Nothing good ever happens to me. <laughs> all day I kept feeling in my pocket, all round and waxy, just begging me to light it. I mean, I could actually hear it saying, light me, light me, Sean, blow something up. Well, what did you blow up? Well, I was riding my bike down K Street. You blew up K Street? I parked at the Market Giants, You right? blew up the Market Giants? That's my dad's store. I have mixed feelings. But there, on the ground, by, by the shopping carts, a matchbook. It was like a sign, you know, saying, now, Sean, now, let the sucker blow. So you're holding the light cherry bomb. I, I don't remember lighting it, but suddenly there it was in my hand, sparks flying off the fuse, and and suddenly I realized, th this thing's going to go off. I mean, I could lose an eye, lose an arm, wind up looking like our shop teacher. <laughs> so why didn't you just throw it? There were people all around. I could have hurt somebody. I, I just knew I had to get it far, far away, so I mailed it. You blew up a United States mailbox? Well, it's still standing. Although the sides did puff out like a fat guy burping. All the stuff inside got torched, though. You should have seen the flames and the freaked out look on people's faces. <laughs> this, this is... Now, this kind of builds off of Sean's well-established... We, we've talked about quite possibly... Uh, some real mental health issues where he's got mm -hmm. some impulse control problems and some twisted mm -hmm. thoughts in his head that he has a hard time controlling. And this has actually escalated to a felony. He has destroyed mm -hmm. federal property. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll talk more about that afterwards. But yeah, it, this is a very serious thing Sean did. Oh, yes. Um. And it's amazing that he only got grounded. Like, we don't hear anything happening after the fact, but mm -hmm. I'm hoping that means he just got a slap on the wrist by the local authorities. Yes, I think there's probably enough character references that would have come to his aid to. And granted, this this was also the 90s. And let's be honest, Sean's Sean's a white kid with probably no real police record. So. <laughs> Right. Well, and, and the thing about this is, too, is that Sean knew that he didn't want to hurt anyone, mm -hmm. but he did know he wanted to light it because he probably wanted to see the explosion. Mm -hmm. And in the moment, he does confess, at least to Corey, and I'm sure he did share with some, at least whoever would have interviewed him afterwards. He did. I'm sure he shared with him as well that he wanted to keep it away from people. And in his sixth mm -hmm. grade thought process, he put it somewhere where it couldn't hurt people, <laughs> which in fairness, putting that in a metal box is safer than throwing it somewhere. Up. It could have blown up a car. Right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's one of those tricky things about Sean that he's doing a bad thing and he knows that part of it's bad, but he also knows that he has responsibilities within that bad Yes, and he's he's growing. And so we we catch up to him here in Corey's room. He's worried about what's going to happen when his old man catches up. 
And mm-hmm. this is the classic hiding out at your best friend's house where no one's going to look for you right next door yes. to your teacher. Yeah. <laughs> well, because Corey asked him, like, how'd you get in here? He goes, I climbed up into your the tree and through your window. So <laughs> it, I guess that means that the tree house technically has a way into their bedroom there must be a branch that's close enough <laughs> so it's either because sean is willing to do it because sean has no fears or Corey and eric just never think to go out the tree to outside yeah i'm willing to bet Corey's probably climbed out that window a time or two <laughs> yeah maybe uh, but either way, yeah, Sean asks if Corey will hide him. And he goes, yeah, let me just ask my parents real quick. And he's like, no. You're really new at this, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, that's going to be so useful down the road. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So he's like, can you hide me? You can't tell your parents. If you tell your parents, they'll tell my parents. Mm-hmm. And he goes, all right, fine. I'll, I'll keep you safe. What about Eric? He's dumb, but I think I'll notice a third guy in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a third guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get to his theory, but I love just, I really love Eric in this episode. Like, it's yeah. small, but it's so impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, yeah, but, this room is actually kind of sizable for, for two teenage boys, but... Yeah. Where is Sean going to hide, especially once we see what's in the closet? (laughs) There's nowhere to hide. And they share a bathroom with Morgan. So Mm -hmm. uh, where is he going to (laughs) hide? There's nowhere to hide. (laughs) He's been constantly moving. (laughs) And that's why it's a classic. And no matter what anyone does, they always get caught. Oh, yes. (laughs) And I... For whatever reason, the guys don't learn this because they try this again in the future and it doesn't work. Yep. <laughs> uh, but anywho, mom says it's dinner time. So Corey goes down to dinner <laughs> and he is acting normal. Oh, yes. And Alan has the perfect response to this. Corey, you're grounded for two weeks. What I do? I don't know, but the way you're behaving, it's got to be at least two weeks. <laughs> I can honestly tell you, I haven't done a thing. What was that? My homework fell off my desk. There's so darn much of it. <laughs> I love Al's response. He just, mm-hmm. he knows something's up. And we're, we'll just stay in the moment here from Corey's perspective. He knows something's up. Mm-hmm. You're grounded. I don't know what it is, but it's got to be at least two weeks worse. <laughs> 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 I was going to say, like, have you not had a moment with any of your kids so far where you're like, yeah, I know you did something. I don't know what it is yet, but I know you've done something. Oh, I'm well aware of what goes on in my kids' heads. There's Mm -hmm. very little they can keep safe from me. Mm -hmm. There are many times I can look at them and just go, yeah, I know something's going on. (laughs) And for as as bad as Corey is, is hiding all this. He's very quick on his feet when Sean's thumping Mm -hmm. around upstairs. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Corey. I mean, he's an improviser. That's for sure. Mm hmm. There's a part of that wonders, why couldn't Corey just, you know, go to acting and, you know, being comedian improv, you know, he probably could have done well at that. He could have. Instead, his neuroses take over and, you know, Mm -hmm. he becomes a teacher. He does. Oh, I don't want to get into that yet. 
Uh, but anywho, he takes uh, food up to upstairs for Sean because Sean's hungry. Yeah, yeah. And uh, interesting a comment that Sean has about uh, this dinner. Anyone ever tell you you're built like a chimp? Oh, that's the wrong comment. <laughs> oh, I forget that he uh, comes out and he's wearing his clothes and you're like, huh, there's a height difference. <laughs> It's such a stark reminder of the height difference between these two. It's not something that I normally think about, but yes. Uh, But yeah, the meatloaf. (laughs) But real quick, Corey wears baggy clothes. Mm -hmm. So in... In lieu of that, you know that he's <laughs> that the actor himself is not wearing the actual clothes that the other character had. They oh, clearly no. had shorter clothes, but it makes the point of one's taller, one's one is developing more, mm-hmm. and the other one is not quite there yet. Yeah. The visual cue works. <laughs> yes, it's perfect. But the meatloaf, the meatloaf uh, little discussion is is kind of fun. <laughs> yes. I don't have that. You clip. have that. I don't. Okay. Have I, that th- no. I, I thought you were curious <laughs> up for yourself. I'm sorry. Yeah. So uh, uh, Sean is not happy with the meatloaf because apparently there's no ketchup. I do have ketchup with my meatloaf. In do fact, you? when I make meatloaf, and I do, um, I actually make a, a, a glaze for the top that consists of uh, ketchup, mustard, a um, little bit of vinegar, and some brown sugar. Brown sugar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah, when we, we do like mini meatloafs, and so mm-hmm. we always have like a glaze over top of it, so... Yeah, there's always something on it. Last time I made meatloaf, I uh, I cooked it in some uh, muffin tins so that we had individual Ooh. meatloaf. That was kind of cool. Very nice. But yeah, even even then though, when I when I uh, eat it, you know, I'll serve with some mashed potatoes, some vegetables. I mm. still will put some ketchup on top. I'm I'm Team mm. Sean for meatloaf. Give me ketchup. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, I will. So the mini meals we do, we take like the small little like square thing. I don't know what the dimensions are, but basically we get like four big giant burgers and like normally like a teeny tiny one in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite wonderful. Maybe uh, when you visit sometime, I'll make it for you. Yeah. I'm looking forward it's to one it. of my favorite meals. <laughs> uh, anywho. Uh, so Sean's kind of disappointed. He doesn't know how he's going to eat it. Cause he always has it with ketchup. <laughs> um, and then uh, Eric decides that he's going to come and investigate uh, the situation. Because <laughs> Eric knows that Corey's hiding something immediately. You're hiding a puppy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I love that next thing. Ooh, it's a big puppy. Oh, it's a big puppy. <laughs> uh, but what happens to the puppy? You let the puppy go. Uh huh. Out a second story window. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> now we both have dogs, mm-hmm. and so if if someone's trying to hide a dog, it's impossible. Oh yeah, they they are so unpredictable. Oh, by the way. <laughs> I'm now thinking about this. Uh, like one of our first episodes, I said, oh, yeah, we were walking my sister's dog, blah, blah, blah. When that dropped, we had already gotten our dog. <laughs> and I've just I've completely forgot to say since then of like, oh, yeah, we have a dog <laughs> because we have a dog. <laughs> yep. Welcome to the world of now. dogs. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dogs are a lot more work. 
Yes, we say it all the time. <laughs> yes, hide, I want to see. I want to see Eric trying to hide a dog in the Matthews mm-hmm. house. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. That's the show I want on uh, Disney Plus. Young Eric. <laughs> yeah, young Eric. That would be awesome. Eric is a Baby fifth and sixth grader. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, him, him riding the roller coaster all day long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what they should show is that he is like Farkle in the beginning, but just too many knocks on the head turns him into Eric. That's long been my theory. Mm-hmm. So Morgan's got to take a, a bath, but Sean yes. is hiding in the bathroom. <laughs> I do love that. I just... Everything Corey does just is red flags to mom and dad. If they they would be the worst parents if they hadn't figured it out by this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, we we do spoiler alert know that at this point they are aware of what's happening. Oh yes, they knew from the beginning, the, but still, right? But the fact that like they're just kind of just letting it go, letting him think that they're getting one up on him, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I like amazing. I like that parenting choice. So mm-hmm. Morgan gets in the bathroom for a bath. Hey, Cora. Lassie came home. <laughs> Eric now knows. Mm-hmm. I like how he uh, takes a seat and he goes, let's just get to my bribe. <laughs> exactly. He wants to cut right to brass tacks. He wants some. He wants something out of it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He doesn't care if Sean's there. <laughs> he doesn't care why. He yes. just wants something out of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I like how uh, dad calls for uh, someone to come take out the garbage. And uh, Eric makes it clear. It's uh, Corey's turn. Yeah, that's right. Corey's right there to go along with it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. So then we go uh, to school the next day. We got Minkus and uh, Topanga chatting along. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know. To, uh, basically, to boil it down, they have the opinions that you think they're going to have. Oh, of course. Minkus thinks that Sean is a criminal, that he's going to get locked up and he's never going to see him again. And Topanga thinks that what he did was clearly a political statement and it was really brave, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and probably it's, dangerous. It's, it's a little bit reductionist based on the year that they've the, they've had so far together mm-hmm. I mean I kind of accept Mink, expect Minkus to have a little more sympathy towards Sean I kind of expect uh, Topanga not to go straight to the political demonstration route but it works and Mr. Feeney's comes in and, and he's got his, uh, his morning greeting I imagine no one here has heard from him me? what makes you think I heard from Sean? I was addressing the entire class. Yeah, but you make it sound like I lit the cherry bomb and stuck it in the mailbox on K Street near the Market Giants. I'm guessing. He claims he hasn't spoken with Sean since the incident yet. He knows the precise location, knows Hunter's plot involved a cherry bomb. I smell conspiracy. I smell cover-up. I smell a nerd with nine fingers. Mr. Matthews, unhand that minkus. Is this the first time we hear or see Corey go full out, like, no no pretense, everything dropped, and he just, like, threatens minkus? (laughs) 
with violence? I, I, th- I think so. But when you think about it, he's talking about his best friend. He knows his best friend's scared. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to think on his feet. And, you know, the nerd that he can normally just ignore and just go whatever is pushing a button. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's on edge enough. You know, mm-hmm. If he didn't have enough respect for Mr. Feeney, one could argue that Corey could have just started fighting him. He may very well may have. I, I could buy mm-hmm. him going and pulling that finger back in that moment. <laughs> yep. Uh, but then we get into today's assignment, which is uh, Edgar Allan Poe, mm-hmm. the telltale heart. Uh, we'll get to him later. <laughs> but I don't know if this is actually like a literature class or what the situation is. But, you know, Feeney's using this probably as a way to get Corey's guilty conscience to start. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't doubt it, especially. And granted, this could be TV or magic or whatever. But he does skip a good portion of it when he's reading out loud. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't bring everything to the table tonight, but there, there's when the section that he's reading, there's a good portion that's cut out of it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, just for dramatic effect, I, I really like how they pull in, uh, you know, the heartbeat and everything. And just it's a it's a perfect segment right there for Corey. You know, this is mm-hmm. this is your moment, dude. Come clean. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. We go back uh, to the uh, bedroom, though, and uh, Amy is uh, vacuuming and singing. And uh, for some reason, she keeps hitting Sean. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) I just love that. I didn't want to do it. Ow. I didn't want to do it. Ow. Yes. Yes. That lovely song, which is a real song. By the it way, it's a real song. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Don't you yeah. worry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wonder how often Amy, because clearly Eric and Corey have chores. I mean, they're taking mm-hmm. out the garbage. I, I really wonder if Amy vacuums their room normally or if this is just because Sean's in there. <laughs> I mean, well, it looks as though they have hardwood floors in their bedroom. Mm hmm. It's been a while since I've looked at it, but I'm pretty sure she's just oh, like, they do. like a rug that she's sweet that she's vacuuming. Oh, they have hardwood floors, but the it, it is with that type of a vacuum she's using, you can use it for uh, it, it can be more effective on a hardwood floor, especially right. under a bed. So it's a legitimate usage of the vacuum. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious if that's something she normally does while they're at school or if this is just her taking advantage of knowing that Sean's hiding somewhere in the room. Yeah, I mean, it could be both. Like, in a way, she could be doing more chores towards their room mm-hmm. because she knows he's there. <laughs> and so if she keeps coming in and out, it means Sh- Sean has to keep ducking somewhere, trying to hide and not be seen by her. Yeah. <laughs> so because I think Amy doesn't quote unquote want to find him. But to spend all day messing with him, I don't think she has a problem with that. Oh, I don't think so either. <laughs> uh, yeah, Corey uh, runs in immediately trying to talk to Sean. Didn't realize mom is there. <laughs> Thinks on his feet again. Mm-hmm. Not that great, but Italy. does it anyway. I didn't see, France. <laughs> didn't see anybody's underpants. <laughs> 
Speaking of underwear. <laughs> yeah. And then she goes, oh, I found your secret. He goes, what? What? She's like, hey, you organized the closet. Good job. He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was me. And I, I got to call a little bit of foul on Sean's commentary about the closet. Pong is the most up-to-date video game that Corey and Eric have in there. Oh, I forgot about that that mention. I mean, in <laughs> fairness, it's the 90s. Yeah, but still, so. this this is a boy who is so obsessed with baseball. He wouldn't have a Nintendo or a Sega that has some sort of baseball-based... I mean, he has Duck Hunt in another episode. He uses yeah. the Duck Hunt gun. And Pong is seriously the up, most up-to-date video game. <laughs> but that was the pilot, Brett. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so who's to say? Who's uh, to say? That's my little soapbox. I have a little bell to ring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in my personal opinion, this type of family, they would have a Super Nintendo. I, my guess, my hunch is that they it's probably a family one. Oh, that and probably so, like, is. They're probably allowed to take it to their room sometimes if their parents don't want the game on the big team. TV, but it's probably at the moment downstairs and they do have like a little pong and that's all they have in their room that they can always play. But sometimes probably when they ask permission, they can take it into their room. I can buy that. You know, but either way, uh, Sean comes out complaining about, uh, you know, <laughs> almost getting sucked into a Hoover. <laughs> Shameless product placement. Yes. <laughs> And he, you know, complains about Pong and, uh, you know, Corey's kind of just trying to say to him, hey, man, people are kind of worried about you. Mm -hmm. And he goes, mm, doesn't matter. I'm not going home because I'm not going home. Mm -hmm. Which it does. The the adult in me, dad in me as well, goes, well, what's going on at home that he doesn't think he can go home? Yeah, they don't paint the best picture of Sean's home life. And we know up to this no. point, Sean is not from a great home. We know that he's his dad's been out of work. We know that he does have mom and dad both at home, may or may not still have a sister at home. We know that Corey is well enough liked that he can hang out with them. We know that uh, Alan at least knows his dad by name and is on somewhat friendly relations mm -hmm. with his dad. But we know also that Sean looks at his dad as a very strict man and does not uh, is not. How shall I put this? His dad is not, uh, he's generous with the swift hand of justice, shall we say? Yeah, I, I get that impression. Um, yeah. I mean, from, from what we learn about Chet Hunter later on, because we don't even have his name yet, mm -hmm. um, you, you understand that he does drink mm -hmm. and. Probably when he drinks, he probably makes threats. He probably makes very firm statements. And potentially mm -hmm. at his young age of Sean, he doesn't know the difference between when his dad is drinking, when he's not drinking. Mm -hmm. Or at this time, he could just always be drinking. 
Yeah, and so I would not be surprised if he's expecting to go home and and see drunk dad uh, mm-hmm. go off on him for this. Yep. I mean, this is a pretty pretty sizable mistake he made. Yeah. Well, I mean, how do I want to say this? I could understand as a father being angry with your child for doing the thing that he did. On the same token, you still want them to be home mm-hmm. because you'd rather them know you can they can make a mistake and come to you. And you will still support them, love them and cherish them regardless. But if that's not reaffirmed and communicated, it's understandable that Sean wouldn't realize that that's what his dad cares about. Exactly. And that's I, I love that Alan comes up and, mm-hmm. and shares that. And I, I clipped that for us. Oh, wonderful. Well, he was working me all right, but I was a stone. Warren? Yeah, I'm alone. Hi. I fear for my life. Hey, how was your day? Quit pumping me. I know nothing. Well, me, I had a lousy day. You see, yesterday I put about, oh, 26 bills in the mailbox outside my store, and today I found out that, uh... Well, you know the rest. Yeah, I heard something along the lines of a mailbox natural disaster. You know, the glue on those stamps is highly flammable. I heard that Sean may be involved to the extent that, um, he did it. Huh. Now that I did not hear. Bless you. Thank you. You know, when I was growing up, there was a kid in my neighborhood who was a lot like Sean, always getting into trouble. You know, small things at first, shoplifting candy, letting the air out of tires. But pretty soon, he got kind of bored, moved on to more serious stuff, more dangerous. Dad, Sean's not like that. I don't know. I think he is. And if he were here right now, I'd come down on him very hard. (laughs) Ugh, that meatloaf. Because what Sean did was irresponsible and dumb. How come you're telling me this? Because you need to know that if you ever do anything wrong, you can always come home. I don't care how bad it is, it can never be as bad as not coming home. You don't have to worry about me, Dad. I'm a come-homer. Fine. Because I don't care how tight a spot you're in, we're here for you. Deal? Deal. That had to be a little bit cathartic for Alan. Mm-hmm. Uh, because on the one hand, it's in his shoes, knowing that Sean is A, safe, B, is in the house, and that uh, he had to have talked to Chet by this point. Mm-hmm. He had to let Chet know that he is safe. He's uh, that he's somewhere where he is, where he feels safe. That he's not on the run anywhere. I mean, uh, uh, I would imagine that he's gone to that length anyway. Mm-hmm. But to be able to share, and this is probably something that Chet and Verna has shared with him as well. These are probably words that he is communicating from them as well. At least the feeling behind them Mm -hmm. 
And they're words that he wants to share with Corey, too, that there's nothing you could do. Basically, there's nothing you could do that would be so bad or horrible that we won't love you. We won't still want you here. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I have said those well, probably verbatim to my children many times. There's nothing you could ever do to make us love you less. There's nothing you could ever do to make us not want you here. Mm-hmm. We always we no matter what you do, no matter what you choose, no matter what you ever decide in life, we will always love you. We'll always be here for you and we will always mm-hmm. walk through life with you. Yeah. The fact that he got to jump on top of Sean, get a little frustration out for blowing up all his bills. That's probably a plus. (laughs) Well, and and that's this is probably my favorite scene in the whole episode, Mm -hmm. because I love the fact that it's almost like, you know, Alan's trying to make it clear of like, I know where he is. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you the thing that needs to be said and you need to hear it. Because A, you mm-hmm. need to hear it, and, and B, he needs to hear it. Exactly. And I like the tone he uses because it's both an angry tone, but it's not a mad tone. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, if you don't come home, that's worse than the mistake. Because mm-hmm. you can mess up and we can help you through that and figure out what to do to move forward. But if you mess up and don't come home, I don't care how you messed up. All I care about is you're not home. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's that weird thing that before I was a dad, I didn't fully understand that. Mm-hmm. And and that, you know, like, uh, you know, even with my son being so young, like the other day, he was being a little rougher with the dog. And I had to look at him and be like, listen you're being too rough. I'm like this dog trusts you. He loves you. He wants your attention. He wants your affection. But if you're too mean to him, eventually he's going to turn on you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and, and what am I going to do about that? I can't help you then. You know? Mm-hmm. So I just, I love this moment. Yeah. But in, yeah. in all of, in all of boy man's world uh, as a dad. Now, my favorite, my favorite moments are always centering around Alan having those dad moments with mm-hmm. someone else, whether it's Eric, Corey, or even Sean later yeah. on as the series goes on. Yeah, I agree. So I like how Sean pops out. He goes, oh, your dad really hurt me. Like the stuff he said, right? Like, <laughs> no, he sat on my head. <laughs> I blacked out for a moment there. <laughs> Which I got to say, those 90 beds, if they were springy at all, like. Ooh, if there's oh, not. Oh, man. He, I, I've he, been under some of those beds. I've been under beds that look like that. And that really could have hurt. <laughs> uh, he's lucky he didn't get stabbed. Mm-hmm. My, my uh. The beds that my kids have now, even if I went and jumped on some of those and they were underneath, they have like a slat set up. Mm-hmm. Well, one of them, I just put a piece of plywood on, but the <laughs> other two, they have a slat set up. If I went and jumped on them, I could very easily. Now, granted, I probably got 60, 70 pounds on Alan, but I could very easily knock a couple of those slats right into their heads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
But anyway, yeah. I know they're sixth graders, but how does Sean and Corey not catch on that Alan knows he's there after uh-huh. that? Well, within the last like three, five minutes, he had Amy shove a vacuum against his head and then Alan basically body checked him for twice. He may have a concussion. Yeah, strong chance. But it, oh, wow. He's, I've got to hear in my notes here at this point. I find it interesting. Sean has drawn a very clear line here. Moving on from this discussion, the little things that he's done up to this point, it's goes so clearly he's heard at least part of what Alan had to say. Mm-hmm. All the little things that he and some with Corey have done up to this point to destroying federal property. And he's he's made that clear delineation and he's not wrong. There is a clear point where you mm-hmm. can go from just being a kid and being doing dumb things to this has some gravity to it. Mm-hmm. But he's taken that perspective of, I can't go back. There's no turning back for me. And now mm-hmm. I'm firmly on the other side of this line. Yeah. But this does go back to Sean's home life. If Chet in the past has kicked anybody out of the home or Sean is aware that there are people that were living there and then dad got mad and they're no longer living there mm-hmm. and. You know, for Verna's sake, if she partially lives in fear of him, mm-hmm. it's not that yeah. unreasonable for Sean. We do learn later on in the series that that's not a bad assumption to make because right. Verna was not Chet's only wife. And Verna, I mean, spoiler alert, Verna was not Sean's biological mother. I mean, <gasps> what? Oh, come on. This show's from 1994. (laughs) I've watched this show more times than my son is alive. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, this is this is Sean's home life. We as by the time we get through all seven seasons, these these are the the things that the events and the stories that have built Sean's life. So it's not really a surprise that Sean sees this line and, and has decided I can't go back from this. Well, and I like that Corey's trying to say to him, hey, man, you know, maybe you should go home. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nope, can't do it. I can't do it. And he goes, I'm going to go to my dad. My dad can solve anything. Mm-hmm. And he tries to go get him and Sean runs away. Yeah. I love the next scene that comes up. But then we get to <laughs> the uh, the kitchen. Where Corey's trying to be like, well, mom and dad, you might not have realized this, but uh, Sean has been here. Now, I did clip the, this this whole sequence in the kitchen. I clipped it up into two bits if we wanted okay. to hear it. So um, I may pull it up here. I think everything's going to be OK. Know why? Why? Well, because that talk you gave me up in my room. Well, you didn't know it, but Sean heard the whole thing. Really? (laughs) Yeah, he was under my bed. Under your bed? Not the one I sat on. (laughs) Actually, I've been hiding Sean up there since yesterday afternoon. How long have you known? Since yesterday afternoon. (laughs) The noise is coming from your room. Food you snuck upstairs. It could have been a puppy. Corey, no one is that naive. I happen to like the puppy theory. (laughs) 
Corey, no one's that naive. Oh, but uh, <laughs> I happen to like the puppy theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just love this reaction from them though because it's just, yeah, we're aware, and we're just playing along. I just, I love their parenting style. I really, really do. Because, mm-hmm. because Corey believes as he's starting to say this, like I am blowing your mind right now, and they're <laughs> blowing your mind. And their hole. response is like, "Yeah, we know what goes on in our house." Not the bed I sat on. <laughs> you know? How long have you known? <laughs> Yesterday afternoon. <laughs> you guys didn't tell Sean's parents, did you? Of course we did. Corey, didn't you think how scared Sean's parents would be not knowing where their son was? Wait, I don't get it. If you guys knew all along, why didn't you bust us? Sure would have been easier on me. It was killing me trying to hide this from you. Well, we knew he was safe here with his best friend, who we hoped would help him make the right decision and go home. Cora, I know you really like Sean. I mean, he's been your best bud since he taught you how to pick the lock on your playpen. (laughs) But there's something I think you should know about him. You think he's a criminal? I think he has rough edges. I think he's at a point in his life where he can go one of two ways. Back on my side of the line are gone forever. Into cherry bomb land. <laughs> Corey, Sean has always reminded your dad of someone he knew when he was a kid. You had a best friend like Sean? Mm-mm. I was like Sean. I had a best friend like you. You did? Mm-hmm. And when I was about 12 years old, I got into trouble once, and I considered my options. I could hop a train to California. I could start my life at 13, get a job at 14, be married at 15, have kids at 16. I thought it was a great idea. Sounds like a dumb idea to me. Oh, you think so, huh? Yeah. Just because you make one little mistake, you don't want to throw your whole life away. You see, guys like you and my best friend, Richie, that's the way you think. Guys like me and Sean, we don't think like that. Did you ever go to California? No. Well, what happened? I don't know. Somehow I ended up here, in a room, with you. <laughs> Listen, Sean's going to get in touch with you. What should I do when he does? Kid like you, you'll know. I love this scene. Um, you know, it. I just... Sometimes when you're trying to relate to a teenager... I always find that the best thing for me to do is to be honest about, hey, this is who I used to be. And sometimes this is who I still am. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really helpful to Corey to understand of my dad may have more in common with Sean than he does me. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting projection when you think about who Sean later becomes. Yeah, it really is. And I I know it's often a temptation to hide that part of your life from your kids. And it's commendable to, to be open and honest with your kids with that type of information and to, uh, to let them in on that secret, so to speak. And, I can remember the first time I saw this episode. I mean, I was I was Corey's age. I can remember being having my mind just as blown as Corey's was. Mm -hmm. And it was just 
being able to see that he connected with Sean and he understands how Sean thinks. Mm-hmm. It, it's not just suburban dad wanting to keep his kids safe from the 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 little criminal across the tracks. It's it's dad who understands that he was that kid across the tracks and he knows that, you know, it, it could be it could end badly. But he trusts his son. I love the next line, though. Well, I guess the room is empty. What a perfect time to set fire to my desk. <laughs> uh, I, and I think it's <laughs> Sean has hidden at his best friend's house. Mm-hmm. And now he's hiding at school waiting for Corey to show up. Yeah. I, I get it. It's the 90s. But how do you get in there? Don't they lock the door? They do in other episodes. <laughs> so I don't they get locked like, in the school in another episode. Granted, it's a dream sequence, but still they get locked in. Not only do does Sean break in, but Corey breaks in. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm assuming with Corey, Feeney probably left the door unlocked when he went in. I mean, potentially. Who knows? But it's just yeah. this, it's this barrage of like, does anybody lock the door? Or does, do they just know that there's a window that's open that they can climb through? Or... <laughs> I love Feeney's comment. You two, all week long, you can't wait to leave, but here it is the weekend, late at night, and you're here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love, love the way that he connects with Sean here in Mm -hmm. in this this scene when he goes into his essays. Sean's just kind of doing his own thing. He's he's talking to him, yep. and it's it's like he's not even paying attention to him. But he goes in his desk. Canvas. I often paint on the weekends. Very strong material. Difficult to rip. Give it a try. Go on. <laughs> of course, rugged as it is. Even the smallest snip. And... You see, Mr. Hunter, once the integrity has been breached, even the strongest fabric can unravel. Even the strongest friendship. Yeah, well, here, have a bandana. The analogy is just spot on for Mm -hmm. what they're going through because Sean for as loyal a friend as he's been and and Feeney calls it out that Corey has been a loyal and true accomplice he doesn't call him a friend he calls him an accomplice Mm -hmm. and that Sean is the one who has put Corey in a position where he's taken advantage of him and Mm -hmm. asked him to lie yep if anyone has betrayed this friendship it was you the moment you asked him to lie yeah. And so, I, I mean, I have a note in my uh, in I have a, a note in my notes here. Just that moral quandary. It, when, when does the friendship, when is that first tear? You mm-hmm. know, what, asking asking a friend to lie for you. And academically, I, I have that answer easily. Yeah. And, you know, would if, if a friend came to me in trouble, would would I give them a safe place? Would would I? Would I do the things Corey did to an extent? Mm-hmm. Would I would I work with them towards, you know, would I be I would be more of an Allen in that situation. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I can't say that I would lie for them. Uh, I mean, I can say that I would not lie for them. But but yeah, I mean, that that image of just that tear 
in the, in the fabric of, of the, the canvas is just, it's a perfect analogy for everything going on with Corey and Sean there. Yeah. I've used that before. Actually, I played this clip and then, uh, got a piece of canvas out that I messed with and had people try to tear at it, see if they could break it. And then I put a little cut in and ripped it. So yeah, this is like the first Sean and Feeney heart to heart. And there's always something I think, Feeney has a special relationship with both Corey and um, with uh, Eric throughout the whole show. And this is the first time we get this moment with Sean. And there's something about Mm -hmm. these moments he has with Sean where it's like he's bringing out his A game. Mm -hmm. And it really is. It's like he knows this is the way I'm going to get through to him. And, you know, I think for Feeney, it's so important for him to encourage him to be a better friend to Sha- to Corey because he knows that Sean needs Corey and also Corey needs Sean. Mr. Feeney is very interested in keeping this friendship going. I think he sees more mm-hmm. merit in it than even the boys do potentially. Feeney throughout the whole time period of the show is, you know, involved in these friendship and disagreements and they get comic, they get funnier as the years progress, you know, especially season seven. He's like, can we just leave? (laughs) I can't do anything to help right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Here, make a bandana. But uh, Corey shows up and he, uh, I just have in my notes, he stands up to Sean. Sh- uh, Corey throws a bag to Sean and Sean's like, all right, you, you want me the stuff? And he's like, no. And he opens it up. There's nothing in there. He goes, all right, you want to give me some money? No. Okay. Can I borrow your bike? No. I got a ride. Well, from who? Your parents. And so I just, I love this moment because again, this is a Corey and Sean heart to heart moment. Mm-hmm. And and throughout the course of this show, they'll have more of these where either Corey is standing up to Sean or Sean standing up to Corey. But they have this moment where they're like, hey, this is going to be difficult, but I am your friend and I'm here for you. And regardless of what happens, nothing's changing that. Mm-hmm. So I love this moment. And he's, he, you know, Sean is still fearful. But maybe because his dad drove here with Corey and Corey's not dead. So maybe there's a chance (laughs) he won't be dead either. Now, if it's me and I'm Sean's dad, I know the first thing I'm doing is giving him a hug and just holding him. Mm -hmm. There'll be some words coming out soon about how stupid of a situation that was. (laughs) But I can't imagine anything scarier than my son not coming home. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I, I don't care how old he gets or what's going on in his life. I can't imagine that. So I guess it's just a pre, yeah. a pre uh, requisite for my son. Cause whenever this goes online, it'll be there forever. Cause nothing comes offline. Uh, <laughs> it's forever. So I'll just say for, for both uh, my oldest and, and the soon to be here soon. Uh, if anything ever happens, you can always come home. And the same goes for all three of mine. There's nothing. I mean, I've told you all to your faces. If anything ever happens, you're always welcome at home. Mm -hmm. Nothing you can ever do will change that. 
And Hetheringtons are always welcome at our house as well. And the same thing to the Volks. <laughs> they can find it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we don't have we don't have eleven foot tall Grinches in our front yard. No, I've, I'm a dead giveaway now. <laughs> <laughs> Corey tells me he has to go home, and he agrees. Mm-hmm. And we uh, cut to black. Door knocks, and they go, "Hey, what's today? It's the 19th. It's been a month." Yes. So he's free now. They do their classic dance. Uh, and I, I did clip all of this just because there is a buttload, which, by the way, yes, look it up. It is an actual uh-huh. term of measurement <laughs> typically used for wine. But there's a buttload of electrical uh, uh, activity going on in this living room. I hate to interrupt your touch of reunion, but there's one minute left in triple overtime. Come on, Mom, you gotta see this. Yeah, I got five more numbers to enter on the spreadsheet, and then I am done. Oh, TV. Hi. <laughs> Don, I know I've asked you out like 50 times, and I know you said no like 50 times, but you gotta respect my willingness to get shot down. You will? Right now? Okay, where, where should I meet you? What happened? I had her! The game! Bobby's hair! I didn't say! Dad, what happened? Helen, didn't you pay the electric bill? I paid it a month ago. I put it in the mailbox right outside my store. On Cherry Bomb Day? Get out, everybody! And thus ends The Fugitive. Yes. Yes, so much happening all right there at the end of that episode. Um, It does beg the question for me to you, Brett, if all 26 of your bills are destroyed would you not write out new checks and send them out or call each of those places oh i would have i wouldn't have just assumed especially like (laughs) anything the electric yeah this this one's on alan yeah This one's definitely on Alan. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, Brett, would you like to get to uh, some deep dives? I would love to get to some deep dives. Am I the only one who read the summer reading list? All right. So starting with mailboxes. Uh, All right. If you damage and destroy a mailbox, you can face either three years of prison time or a fine of $250,000 fine. Almost a quarter of a mil. Yeah. Now, is that current day or was that 1994? That is current day. Well, it was okay. It was at the time, and it still stands today as the same penalty. Mm-hmm. Part of the confusing is that, like, people are claiming it also as part of, like, people's personal mailboxes. Yeah. Some of the places I saw that were saying that is the same thing. To me, I don't think it should be the same thing, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's not that uncommon for seniors as they've graduated to go around smashing mailboxes with baseball bats. Not that I've ever seen that before. <laughs> Sean really could have been in some serious problems. With him being a juvenile, though, there's a strong chance that if he probably confessed, he probably would face like community service. It would probably go on his record. He probably would not face juvie or get a fine. He may get like a small fine, but just mostly to replace the mailbox, I'd imagine. But 
I'm sure it would get worked out and with him probably not having an actual offense at this point. It's the 90s, so who's to say? And it is TV, so, you know, the mailbox was probably actually cardboard, so it was probably a fake mailbox to to lure in the Philadelphia mob. Could be, could be, could be. Um, <laughs> next is uh, Edgar Allan Poe, famous writer, poet. We will hear of him again, because that's one of Feeney's wheelhouses, and probably also Michael Jacobs is probably why he's used quite often. Edgar Allan Poe. Born January 19th, 1809, and passed away October 7th, 1849. He lived for only 40 years, unfortunately. You know, his most famous work is The Raven, which is probably the one that is quoted most often. And then uh, earlier, The Tale of the Heart. He has plenty of poems, plenty of books. All of them are, are hard, hard to list. A lot of them have the theme of darkness, depression, and, and you know, badness, essentially, which is why it's quite used oftentimes to describe heavy and dark things <laughs> when teaching about poetry and literature. Also, I will say famously, there is a TV show that aired in the mid, I guess it would be called the, the early teens, I guess, 2000 teens, called The Following, and about a professor who teaches primarily on Poe and how he becomes a serial killer. So that's a fun show that uh, Once Upon a Time I watched until it got crazy and ridiculous. He actually, due to uh, being in poverty, had no choice but to go into the army and ended up actually attending West uh, Point at one point. Realized he wanted to pursue more of an academic career and that's where he uh, he went to New York to do that. But Poe had lots of demons, which is stuff he wrote about. And unfortunately, when he passed, I found out that most likely it was from rabies. That I did know. Yeah. I was like, he's 40, so I should probably look it up. If it's something really bad, I wasn't going to mention it. But hey, it's rabies. So if anyone ever gets bitten by anything, make sure you get your rabies shots up to date. Get your rabies vaccine. Yes. <laughs> okay, so the song that Amy is singing is an actual song sung by Pasty Klein. Hi, Brett here. While I'm editing, I did not catch this while we were recording. I am aware that it is Patsy Klein, not Pasty Klein. Wanted to make sure that was clear before we had listeners who were bringing out the pitchforks and torches right back to your regularly scheduled Dad's Meat world. You made me love you in the brackets. I didn't want to do it. She's an American singer, uh, one of the most influential vocalists of the 20th century. She went from country to pop. She's one of the first ones to do it. And she lived from September 8th, 1932 to March 5th of 1963. Amy is in that range of she probably heard that song as a young girl. Could have been a song her mom sang when she used to clean. Whatever. Anywho, uh, Cherry Bomb Day. If you look at the calendar that is for the spring of 1994, Thursday, March 17th could have been Cherry Bomb Day. Corey would have been hiding him for a day and in towards the evening of Friday, he would have left and then, I don't know, go directly to the school maybe. But he or hide somewhere overnight, I guess. But he definitely, it was the weekend, so it would have been Saturday when Corey went and took him stuff. So it's possible that Sean was technically on the run for two days, and it wasn't until that Saturday that he called Corey. Corey came to the school with parents. Basically, it implies that Sean would have had to hide somewhere because Corey went to school 
So from the scene where Corey's parents were talking to him to when Sean called him and he went to the school, those two couldn't have been the same day. That's what my thought process was. So. All right. Yeah, I did that. a couple. Like now I'm realizing like two <laughs> weeks ago, I did this math in my head of like, how did I come up with this? Why do you do things that doesn't make sense? Oh, no, it makes sense again. <laughs> Um, that was a long walk. <laughs> my bad. The last thing I want to talk about. Oh, well, it's two last things I want to talk about. Um, have you ever sent out 20 bills at one time? Or 26 no. bills? Even before the advent of online, uh, of paying my bills online, I did not send out that many bills at once. Yeah. They they have always been spread out mm-hmm. throughout the month. Yeah. I mean, unless Alan gets paid one time a month, which is why he sends his bills out, you know, one time a month. But I mean, my gosh, that's a lot of at one time bills. <laughs> 90s, different time, I guess. So, if, hey, if you lived and paid bills in the 90s, let us know. Was it like this? I really didn't have much of any bills to pay throughout the 90s. So I can't really speak to that. Uh, so the last thing, Brett, I want to ask you, and uh, we'll get to our fun stuff after that. But have you ever asked a girl out 50 times? No. Yeah. No, I have not. <laughs> yeah. I think the most I ever did. Well, I'd have to go with my my current wife. I always joke that I wore her down, but it wasn't necessarily a persistent asking her out. It was just a matter of being there. Mm-hmm. And reminding her that, you know, that that I had romantic interest in her and that I would still be there even after she had decided that she'd ruled out every other guy in the eastern half of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that because she'll never listen to this episode. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, um, uh, Persistence, yeah, I mean, it wasn't really uh, a matter of just asking her out over and over and over. I mean, we we were we had built up a friendship mm-hmm. prior to that. So it was really more of a uh, I, I was moving deeper into a romantic uh, mode of relationship than uh, quicker than she was. So it was more of uh, being patient on my part. But no, I, I've never done the thing Eric has. <laughs> the way in which they write Eric with girls is really troubling because either their high school, everybody is constantly asking out everybody all the time or making out with somebody new every single five minutes or mm-hmm. these writers were never popular. accidentally. <laughs> yes. Accidentally each other. <laughs> yes. Or the, the main thing I was thinking of, the writers of the show were never popular whatsoever, so they have no clue what the popular <laughs> kids actually do. No. I had to, to stop some teenagers yeah. the other day from being like, well, the popular jocks. And I'm like, listen, speaking as a former jock, there's just as much insecurity in that as there is being in the band. <laughs> they make out because they're uh, <laughs> insecure. Yeah. Well, Brett, um, <laughs> that was our deep dives. So what the. Uh, what lesson did you uh, take away from this episode? 
Oh, well, the lesson I pulled from this one is um, friendship is not merely placing uh, the other's needs above your own. It's also placing what is best first. Uh, that love is requiring you to actively serve your friends by finding and carrying out what is best for their lives, even if it means forcing them to face hard truths. And I know a lot of the times that we're, we're tempted to just go along with things because, you know, if you're my friend, you'll do this. I mean, I, I know it's trite to hear, but that type of an attitude's been going on since before I was in sixth grade and will continue to do so. But, mm -hmm. um, but what is really being a good friend is looking at your friend in whatever situation they're in and helping them find what is truly best for them in that situation. And so that's that's a lesson that I take from the fugitive. What about you? I was going to call you Sean to my Corey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what about you, Tyler? <laughs> um, I think what I learned this week is that as parents, we are a community and, and we have to look out for each other's kids. And, you know, not even just as a parent, you know, as an adult, I think we have a responsibility to keep all of the young people around us safe. Um, you know, I have a, a neighbor that I don't really talk with a whole lot because the road we are, we live on is really busy. Um, but every now and then I'll see her outside and she's outside, you know, paying attention because my son's outside the front area. You know, if I'm doing something in one side of the house, he may run around the house, you know, multiple times. So if the neighbor's out there, I realize, oh, Grayson is spending way too much time out in the front area. You know, she's just kind of looking out for him, making sure everything's OK. Um, but yeah, we we are we're a community and we have to look out for each other's kids and, and for the kids around us. And sometimes that means that you have to let a parent know of what's going on with a kid's life. And it's not great conversations mm -hmm. you have to have, but if it's my kid, I want to know. Yeah. There's as much as it pains me to, to see, there's a lot of, a lot of people that are too quick to jump to protecting, and I'm using air quotes mm -hmm. for anyone who can't see me during the recording I, process. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people who are quick to jump to protecting uh, teenagers by automatically assuming that their parents are not going to be... Um, accepting or loving or even uh, willing to talk to their teenagers mm -hmm. about something going on in their life. And we've gotten to a point in our society where uh, schools and teachers view themselves as a better, uh, a better influence and presence in uh, a teenager's life than their parents at home. And they just automatically assume that that's not a good situation. And we've gotten away from this idea that, yeah, a parent actually, if, if this teenager is alive and is coming to your, to your building or to your, your group, 
there's a lot of reason to expect that their parents probably know what's going on mm-hmm. or at least are able to comprehend and accept their teenager mm-hmm. and are willing to love them. Mm-hmm. And instead of hiding them from them, hiding this, this kid from them or whatever's going on, let's be a community and actually work with the parent here. We were both trained that we take serious what teenagers tell us and we, we take them at their word. But there's also a responsibility we have to check in on things. You know, mm-hmm. if I have someone who's saying, you know, I don't feel safe, I, I don't want to go home. You know, if I call to find out, hey, what's going on? I may be hearing a completely different story. Not that that story isn't mm-hmm. true to the youth or to a potential child, but that doesn't mean that it's completely accurate either. Right. And there there's always going to be that that perspective difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you you have different perspectives to go on. And I'm, I'm speak more to the idea of, you know, a student confides in a teacher about something that's just going on in their life, their uh, their the, their own daily going ons and uh, a teacher or someone else, some other authority figure. And then they take it upon themselves to mm-hmm. center themselves in that student's life. And rather than bring a parent into the loop, assume that the parent is not the best person to bring in. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. yeah. But the most little, little, little bell uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> soapbox for me. Well, you know, <laughs> the most influential person on a teenager is their parent. And it, it could be a good influence. It could be a bad influence. But, you know, mm-hmm. as whether you're a teacher, whether you're a youth person or coach or instructor of some form, regardless of what relationship you have with a kid, you're still never going to have as much of an influence on, on someone as their parent. Mm-hmm. So, um, hey. <laughs> What would you give for a grade for this episode? We should probably do that. <laughs> you are worth every inch of that C plus I gave you in math. Uh, <laughs> this this is hands down one of my favorites of the first season. Uh, without explanation, this one earns an A plus for me. I've already explained why it gets it. Yeah, it's an A plus. It's, it's truly one of those episodes that that makes it clear of what this show is. It's a show where kids try to get one up on their parent, on their teacher, and they think we're smarter than them, and they're not. And it's it's up to the parents and, and the teacher to work together to to make a safe environment for them and to work with them. And so it's really important that uh, we work together as we talked about. And um, yeah, it's an A plus no matter what. This is bar none. One of the best episodes in the whole show. Well, Tyler, before we, uh, before we get out of here, I believe, I believe you owe me a dad joke. If we can get our, Signal to connect here. <laughs> yes, I do owe you a dad joke. All right. So let's hear it. I'm excited. I'm punchy. What do lawyers wear to court? 
What did lawyers wear to court? Yeah. Would it happen to be their briefs? Nope. Lawsuits. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) And so that has officially been another episode of Daz Meat World. That has. (laughs) One of the A plusiest episodes we've done. That is. I don't think that's the first double A plus, but it's it, they're definitely rare. Yeah, they are. But if if we're getting two A pluses, that means it must be real good. So, uh, Brett, why don't you that's tell right. us where uh, they can find us? Well, you can find us on social media all over the place. Uh, search us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram at Dad's Meat World. And you can also email us and uh, send your thoughts and your questions or just a message at Dad's Meat World at gmail.com. Yeah, and seriously, we are. We're we are serious about this. Send us your emails, send us your reviews, and we will read these suckers. We want to do a Dad's Meat World mailbag episode sometime in the near future. We want your questions, yes. comments, hints, allegations, things left unsaid, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And who knows, if we get enough, maybe we'll do a video version for yeah. YouTube. Tell us if we've done something wrong. If one of my deep dives is wrong, tell me about it. Call me out. I want to hear it. That's right. Correct him. We'll even put... Put him on a soapbox to to accept his shame. Falling <laughs> off the soapbox. We'll have to find we'll have to find a soapbox. So Tyler, <laughs> where can we find you personally online? Uh, if you're looking for me, you can go to the dumpster fire that is Twitter. Uh, you can search Tyler Volk. Um, you can chat <laughs> with me there if you really want to. Um, you know, Brett, just real quick. Um, I think I need a new hoodie. Do you know where I can get a nice, good new hoodie? Or t-shirt? I know exactly where you can get a sweet hoodie or t-shirt or long sleeve shirt or tank top, all kinds of stuff. You can go to dadsmeatworld.threadless.com. Nice. All kinds of Dad's Meat World merch right there for your pleasure. And are you on the internet, Brett? I am. I'm so glad you asked. You can find me at Dr. Headley Art on Twitter and on Instagram. All kinds of good stuff there. That's enough shameless promotion. (laughs) All right. We thank you so much for listening. And uh, as always, we'll see you later, good looking. That's right, good looking. You can find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head First Studios. Tell your story. Just so you know, I just continued on, even though in one of my years, all all I'm hearing is, Tyler, no, Tyler, where'd you go? (laughs) I had nothing on my end except for a screen with an icon. It it came up a couple of times. I was like, I need to power through. I just need to power through. (laughs) Just power through. You got your recording. (laughs) Yeah, I have my recording. You'll get it. (laughs) This is really good for recording. Is me I'm definitely checking. cutting all this out. Because in my head... Uh, you have an odd definition of a fun show. Oh, uh, f- <laughs> fun adult murder mystery show. <laughs>
it's got Kevin Bacon in it, you know, like everyone's three degrees away from Kevin Bacon. Or is it six degrees? It's six. six degrees. Sorry. So I'm sorry. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I will say that is a fun game to play. It's a very fun game to play. All right, I forgot all about this. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs>